Chapter Five of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five Down the West Coast. One. On the train that carried me southward from Hermosillo, I met the general. He was young, scarcely out of his teens, slender, mild-mannered, almost feminine in voice and appearance. His large, dark eyes were shaded with long, girlish lashes one felt startled when upon more intimate acquaintance he confided that he was an ex-bandit his rank in reality was only that of teniente than which one could not be much lower in a mexican army but it pleased him so much when i first addressed him as general that i continued the practice our meeting was accidental eustace and i still travelling together found him in a double seat with his handbag spread over whatever space he did not fill himself as we paused before him he looked up in surprise apparently feeling that the railway had not made proper provision for so many passengers pardon general but is this bench reserved he smiled he removed his baggage most graciously within half an hour he had announced himself our humble servant and was planning gay parties for us at the several stopping-places ahead he knew all the girls along the west coast he said both respectable and otherwise he would see that we enjoyed the trip he would be our guide and mentor in things mexican and when we reached mazatlan the southernmost terminus of the road some three or four days distant his house would be our house we should attend his wedding which was to be celebrated immediately upon his arrival and if we remained long enough we should be the godfathers to his first child and although he impressed me as somewhat too lavish in his promises he proved an entertaining companion on the long journey a journey through a monotonous continuation of the sonora desert with stopovers at cities which with minor variations were replicas of hermosillo at guaymas san blas and culiacan cities pleasant and interesting yet never so interesting to me as my first mexican friend the little general two the young teniente was typical in many ways not only of the mexicans but of most of the latin americans he lived completely in the present with scarcely a thought of the morrow for him tempus did not fugit save very rarely and even then there was sure to be more tempest afterward he had unlimited time for friendliness and politeness in his friendliness he was prone to those professions of love which to the anglo-saxon mind savour of hypocrisy in his politeness he was inclined toward phraseology that suggested figurative language yet if this were hypocrisy it was tempered with self-deception and the phraseology was intended frankly as figurative language if he sometimes lacked veracity it was because his code of etiquette called not for the truth but for some statement that would give more satisfaction than the truth seldom speaking beyond the immediate present he apparently did not reflect that an ultimate discovery of reality might bring disappointment greater than the original satisfaction one encounters this mental habit everywhere in latin america 
if one inquires of a fellow-passenger whether he is nearing his destination he invariably is assured that he is although a half-day's journey may confront him if one asks a hotel servant whether laundry may be washed before to-morrow night he invariably learns that it may be although the servant knows perfectly well that the laundress will not call until the day after to-morrow in guaymas our first stopping-place the general was to meet us in the plaza at three o'clock to take us to visit his uncle at about five we bumped into him accidentally upon the street amigos he cried delightedly enfolding each of us in a latin embrace so glad i am to see you i wish to take you to visit my uncle you were going to do that at three ah oh, so i was so i was i was on my way to the plaza but i met a friend and we had two or three drinks of tequila and i forgot all about it he spoke not in apology he merely offered what he considered a satisfactory explanation to him as to most mexicans an engagement was merely a tentative agreement to prove binding only in the event that neither party forget it or happen to be doing something else at the appointed hour he was delightfully free from any troublesome sense of obligation while an anglo-saxon would rise each morning taking mental inventory of the many things to be done during the next sixteen hours the mexican solved life's problems by merely reflecting here's another pleasant day having met us upon the street the general promptly forgot the date he had made with someone else and took us to call upon his uncle his uncle was not at home three the mexican is by nature impractical when he makes a promise he usually means it afterwards he discovers that he's promised something which he cannot fulfil to-night said the general i shall arrange a dance in your honour and this time he did meet us at the appointed hour or soon thereafter he had with him the musicians two barefooted peons with mandolin and guitar and we started again for his uncle's residence everything was ready for the dance except that the uncle had not been informed that he was to be the host or that any such affair was to transpire the general however was determined that we should have a good time we were duly presented to a middle-class family of a dozen or more individuals all eager to be friendly but all a trifle embarrassed the musicians played some dance that had long since faded from popularity north of the border it was either smiles or hindustan which are still the rage in mexico and the general made the rounds in search of a partner in turn he offered his arm to each of his cousins three rather shy little olive-faced girls of thirteen fourteen and fifteen while each in turn pleaded i don't know how to dance i wish i did he finally discovered a stout middle-aged lady who professed some slight knowledge of terpsichore and marched with her thrice about the room as is the fashion in latin america then he seized her manfully and sped away in a two-step the lady taken seemingly by surprise did not move and the little general came to a sliding stop still determined he recovered his balance and sped away in the other direction with the same result there was then a discussion as to whether this were a waltz or not that question being settled by the musicians who said it was a polka 
both parties danced in the same direction until they had made a couple of flying rounds when they stopped and the general offered his partner to me it was somewhat reminiscent of putting out the ash barrels on monday morning but the lady was willing and for the next three hours eustace and i and the general took turns whirling her over the adobe floor a little excitement like that said the general as we finally took our departure breaks the monotony of life four as i came to know the mexicans better i discovered that such an evening although it impressed a gringo as a trifle boresome was quite an event in middle-class mexican existence the latin american had an amazing knack of not being bored this too was a product of his mental habit of living wholly in the present he never suffered from the anglo-saxon sense of a waste of time he was never afflicted with reflections about countless other ways of spending his evening he could sit every night in the same plaza looking at the same faces he could meet the same friends day after day and be just as pleased to see them and ask them the same questions about their many relatives and part with the same elaborate courtesies he could listen hour after hour with the same enjoyment to the same pieces of music that the village band had played for the past ten years and he could talk with the same neighbors about exactly the same things again and again and never lose his enthusiasm either as speaker or listener after supper at the hotels along the way proprietor and guests would bring their chairs to the sidewalk where they could see the passers-by and would remain there for hours chatting with tremendous zest about nothing at all inconsequential remarks which americans of equal intelligence might consider unworthy either of utterance or audience would be offered for popular consideration with emphatic statement and received almost with applause i recall the declaration of a young senorita to the effect that she considered a bath very refreshing this bit of wisdom which elsewhere in the world might have been accepted as trite and obvious brought every member of the circle into enthusiastic agreement it was quite as though she had advanced a startling new theory which had long been hovering vaguely in the minds of the others but which they now heard propounded for the first time it stimulated cries of yes indeed or you have spoken most truly and the discussion lasted for half an hour with mexican kindliness they always included me in the conversation although i spoke their language abominably had a foreigner murdered english as i murdered spanish i should not have had the patience to listen to him yet they listened avidly knitting their brows sometimes in their effort to guess the meaning if they smiled their smiles were kindly they were pleased that the foreigner should try to learn their language if they disliked americans in general they were quickly ready to like any individual american who would meet them halfway and the moment he showed a willingness to adopt their own elaborate courtesy they described him as muy simpatico an expression that means infinitely more than our nearest equivalent of a very sympathetic and hailed him as a paisano fellow-countryman and they would promise him anything five 
if at first impression the elaborate spanish politeness seems boresome it gradually seeps its way into the soul of the average visitor so insidiously that within two weeks he finds himself resenting the rudeness of americans more recently arrived than himself i met one on the train that took me out of guaymas he was trying to tell the conductor that this passenger coach would have been condemned long ago in the good old u s a since the official did not understand english even when shouted the newcomer was growing a trifle peeved he turned disgustedly to eustace and myself damn these spigs anyway how do they expect anybody to come down here and do business with them when they can't talk like other people he seemed out of place in mexico he belonged essentially to the smoking compartment of an american pullman where his counterpart can invariably be found with thumbs beneath suspender straps telling the world about the big deals which his type seems always to have just pulled off between trains in detroit in mexico he admitted failure he was selling soap the best grade of pure white bath soap on the market but buyers were too ignorant to converse with him in his language and they showed a ridiculous inclination to purchase the brilliant scarlet soaps turned out by a german firm that catered to the native love of bright colour if i'd known what they were like he said speaking loudly i'd have laid in a sideline of perfume and bug powder we suggested that some of the passengers might understand english what the hell do i care let em hear it it'll do em good let the dirty greasers know what we americans think of em say i'm glad i met you fellows i've been lonesome for somebody from god's country he attached himself to us and stuck like a leech at culiacan where we stopped over for a day he made the discovery that whiskey was the same in spanish as in english after imbibing freely in a little saloon kept by an elderly lady whose manners were those of royalty he propped his feet on the table and expectorated with impressive accuracy at a picture of the madonna that hung on the wall we dragged him out and led him toward the hotel what do i care about her he growled damn spig let her call a policeman i'll lick ten mexican policemen at the hotel after we had persuaded him not to hit the general he favored our friend with another discourse on the relative prowess of americans and uh, greasers any time we get good and ready we'll come down here and take this rotten republic and make a decent place out of it we'll clean up your spig army in two weeks all you guys can do is knife people in the back when you have a war you point your rifles around the corner of a building and pull the trigger without looking where you shoot any good yank can lick ten of you ten of you with one arm tied behind his back the general's face darkened i watched him rather hoping that the slender little mexican would proceed to mop up the floor with the valiant soap salesman beneath his politeness i knew there was a sensitive proud nature quick to resent an insult yet so ingrained were his traditions of courtesy that even while a tigerish gleam in his eye betrayed his wrath he merely smiled the senor he said is feeling very lively to-night six as he walked away we feared that he had no further use for gingos but on the following morning as we sat in the plaza the general came up to embrace us with more than his usual ardour he was feeling very lively himself 
he announced that he had been up all night and that he was now ready to wander over to the shady side of town to call upon a few of the girls when we suggested that it was too early in the day and advocated rest rather than recreation he was agreeable as always he was even tractable he would allow us to lead him back to the hotel at the door he would embrace us again promising to go straight to bed fifteen minutes later he would come strolling up to us in the plaza falling upon our necks as though it were our first meeting and repeating his suggestion about calling upon the girls how about your fiance in mazatlan eustace inquired he shrugged his shoulders but she is in mazatlan and i am in culiacan don't you love her love her ah signor who would not love her so good so pure so true so beautiful so like an angel in heaven for two whole years i have dreamed of her throughout the two years that i was velista in chihuahua listen signor two years ago i left mazatlan she promised that she would marry me but i was penniless signor and in mexico the man must buy his bride's trousseau i was mechanic and i went to sonora to work in the mines i was in the village of san pedro when the villistas came through some youths from the town fired upon the rear guard killing villa's cousin and villa ordered that every man in san pedro should die in punishment they herded me with the others in the public square and took us out twenty at a time to the church wall where our youths were slaughtered with pistol and machine-gun but they spared me for i was mechanic and villa had use for mechanic of course i became vista who senor would not and i fought carranza with the others why not who was carranza but a general more fortunate than villa who captured mexico city and made himself president i fought with villa all through chihuahua yes i helped to fire upon columbus in your own new mexico but i liked americans and i fired in the air i would have come home but i had no money for the journey there came a day when we took juarez i was lieutenant then i captured a building with my men it was gambling house there was gold upon the tables and i filled my pockets why not senor someone else would have taken it i ran away from the villistas i rode four hundred miles four hundred miles senor through the mountains and across the yaqui desert unconsciously he struck a dramatic pose would i have done that senor if i did not love the girl then he climbed into a coach and rode away toward a questionable destination with a gay little wave of his hand seven i was inclined to doubt the general's story he was manifestly a poseur he possessed among other qualities an inordinate desire to attract attention he knew for instance that he was handsome and would spend hours combing his dark hair or powdering his face he loved to be stared at by the young girls in the plaza he basked in admiration and revelled in adulation or flattery his vanity manifested itself also in a desire to be photographed if i wished to snap a landscape or a street scene eustace had almost to hold him lest he arrange himself artistically in the immediate foreground 
upon his return from the red light district that morning he announced that he had promised its inmates to bring us there with our camera for a group picture he led us to the outskirts of town to a region where several slatternly brown females sat upon the curb in negligee smoking cheap cigars and introduced us in a speech which seemed more elaborate than such an informal occasion required the ladies surprised as mexicans always are when some one keeps an agreement begged that we wait while they beautified themselves and we waited for over an hour they appeared eventually in silk finery with an eighth of an inch of powder laid upon a facial coating of glycerin then ensued the difficulties that confront every photographer in latin america they protested against venturing into the sunlight sunlight would ruin the complexion when in response to explanations they did step out from the shade they kept raising their hands to shelter their faces and finally when we had them properly grouped with the general in the centre some one exclaimed that she must be holding her doll and while she searched for the doll the group broke up and scurried out of the sunlight at length the picture being taken they all clamoured to see it at once to my statement that it had to be developed by a photographer they listened with suspicion their familiarity with the itinerant tintype man had bred a distrust of my slow methods yet they with the politeness that extends in latin america even to the underworld did not voice the suspicion and when in the afternoon we returned with what we considered an excellent picture they rushed excitedly to view it there was a disappointed silence they did not intend to be rude but their grief escaped them i'm not smiling my face came out dark my camera being a gringo camera had insulted them by its blunt frankness but they tried to conceal their disappointment they thanked us profusely and they carried away the film to destroy it as soon as our backs were turned you were very foolish said the general afterwards you did not have to take a real picture you should have pointed the camera and clicked something else it would have pleased them eight strangely enough the more hypocrisy one discovered in the little general the more one liked him it was a hypocrisy leavened by kindliness and humour and to him as to other latin americans it was not hypocrisy at all for his was a code of life wherein our anglo-saxon standards were completely inverted each race has developed its own ideas as to what is important in human conduct the anglo-saxon being by nature blunt and frank regards truth as a supreme virtue when he discovers something wrong he sets about correcting it the latin american being by nature suave and courteous regards truth as an irritating and offensive bad habit when he discovers something wrong he politely ignores it from our viewpoint the latin american appears shallow and superficial he lives a life of pretense completely satisfied so long as outward effect is properly maintained he lies cheerfully and gracefully as a matter of good form he offers one short change with a knightly gesture if reminded gently that he has made an error in his count he is extremely grateful for the correction 
if informed that he has cheated he becomes highly indignant that his honour has been so rudely questioned he wears handsome clothes and shabby underwear he usually lets the tailor wait indefinitely for payment and when pressed to settle a bill he says with impressive dignity because you insult me in your implication that i am not to be trusted i shall not pay you for another month he is inordinately fond of parading himself in public he deliberately caters to theatrical taste he is by nature no more impulsive than an anglo-saxon but upon the right occasion since it attracts attention and distinguishes him as a temperamental creature he indulges in great emotion he makes a wild demonstration of enthusiasm over friends he affects much grief over the death of his mother-in-law he grows furious at times but usually in the absence of the enemy in the presence of an enemy whom he believes he can lick or under the influence of alcohol he is courageous enough frequently to a point of recklessness which the anglo-saxon seldom equals but usually when he believes the object worth the risk or when vanity overcomes his judgment to lure him into a dramatic scene before an admiring audience he understands the shallow pretenses of his fellows but he accepts them as real just as they accept his he professes unlimited faith and confidence in their loyalty and integrity although he suspects that they can be trusted only so long as it is to their advantage he knows them to be like himself indolent undependable and potentially dishonest yet he makes eloquent speeches to them extolling their energy reliability and general uprightness by a process of self-hypnotism he convinces himself momentarily that he means these lavish professions when they respond with similar praises of his own worth he glows all over with a very much gratified self-satisfaction generalizations of this sort i admit are always unjust out of the mass of the latin american population stand many splendid individuals to whom this character analysis does not apply even in the mass the various characteristics are subject to variation from country to country but on the whole from an anglo-saxon viewpoint these people appear idealists in speech and materialists in action one hand counts the rosary while the other scratches fleas judged by the anglo-saxon they have few real virtues yet one must remember that each race has its own standards created out of an unconscious desire to glorify itself by worshipping as virtues the qualities which it happens to possess judged by their own standards their vices are virtues and our virtues are vices it is the latin american's many faults that make him likable his own defects which he understands but refuses to admit have made him extremely tolerant toward the defects of others being supersensitive he is considerate of a stranger's feelings loving flattery he is lavish in its bestowal being vain he is eager to make a good impression and frequently proves generous and hospitable being indolent he has infinite leisure for entertainment at all times he is friendly agreeable and courteous 
Today, several years after my first visit to Mexico, when I have lived among the natives of twenty-six different lands and met travelers from many others, there is no people whose company I have enjoyed more than that of the Latin Americans, and no one individual who proved a more pleasant companion than the little Mexican general. 9. He was still with us when Eustace and I set out upon the last stage of our railway journey to Mazatlan so incidentally was the soap salesman the train brought us to the end of the long stretch of desert that extended from sonora far down into sinaloa an occasional palm tree rose among the cactus adobe huts gave way to structures of cane and thatch a delicious balminess in the air heralded the approach of the tropics a tang of salt came from the pacific breezes and the sea itself loomed presently before us a glorious blue beneath a cloudless sky the little general leaned from the window his eyes shining home home at last senores then the eyes darkened with a sombre melancholy that came at times into their depths i suspected as often i had suspected that he was playing his dramatic role to gain our sympathy you are worrying about the authorities i asked but he spoke without effort at effect there is danger i have informed them of my coming but i can prove that villa took me prisoner that i could not help myself the girl will be waiting for you of course oh i have not informed her it will be a surprise such a surprise senores he did not know that she had already married a rival he never did know somewhere at the edge of the desert the train stopped and a party of federal soldiers came aboard a caranzista officer walked quickly up the aisle scanning the faces of the passengers before the little general he paused ramon vasquez si senor come with me the general rose he was strangely calm he seemed suddenly to have gained in stature there was a quiet pride in his bearing a poise a distinction he shook hands with each of us even with the american who had insulted him there is an army post here senores i had hoped to go home to-night to see the girl but it is better perhaps that the investigation come first remember senores in mazatlan my house is your house ten there was no investigation the soldiers cast a noose about his neck and threw the other end over the limb of a tree a horseman made it fast to his saddle for the moment so unbelievable was the proceeding i was stunned then my heart pounding as though the noose were about my own neck i hurried with eustace to the scene protesting the general smiled at us you are good friends he said i am grateful but you cannot help me and you may invite trouble for yourselves if in mazatlan you should meet the senorita and he whispered her name reverently pleased to tell her that i would have come good-bye my friends he glanced toward the car window where the other americans stared with blanched face and he laughed then with characteristic vanity he stroked back the hair from his forehead if anyone shoots he said please do not shoot at the face the horseman dug his spurs into the beast and the rope tightened the tree was not high enough the little general reached earthward with his toes barely touching the ground with them balancing there in an instinctive effort to preserve life even for a moment 
the officer gave an order the men unslung their rifles and fired a scattering volley eleven as the smoke cleared away the train crawled slowly onward toward mazatlan for a long time no one spoke when eustace finally broke the silence it was in a futile effort to turn our minds to another subject we'll get there just in time to catch the boat south the soap salesman came out of his reverie with a start i don't know as i'll go south i think i'll catch a boat north to frisco you can't do business with these uh, with these mexicans End of chapter five